0: intentions intentions is everything right what are one's intentions it could be intentions to do not great things and nine times out of ten you know your intentions will show because of the results that you are you know producing right so that I just want to say that because in this world we tend to put things before that and we just say like oh he's an officer oh he's that so course you wouldn't do do, do that and it's like let's get our stuff uh really in order here because we do know that there are people with bad intentions in this world evil people okay so let's just knock that off right and call it for what for what it is and what it's what it starts with is one's intentions right and it will usually definitely will show okay intentions, your, your character, you know, your, moral, your, your morals, your ethics, they're everything. And if anyone says that they're not, please miss me with that because they are. And today I have with me an amazing featured guest by the name of Dr. Anissa Riley, at which she has done amazing work within the community and in education and truly knows what it takes to build and to create an environment for our youth to thrive in. But you see, I used a word, a very significant word, community, right? And I just want you guys to listen and allow for Dr. Anissa Riley to share with you what she does, why she does it, and um, just... learn and understand that this is what it's about. Intentions is everything. Welcome to the show Voices of Courage with Brandy J, Dr. Anissa Riley. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. This is Voices of Courage with your host, Brandy J and Dr. Anissa Riley. Dr. Anissa Riley, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And
1: some people say Anissa, but it's really Anissa. So just, uh, like, you know, Anissa, Ooh,
0: I was going I to say that too. her that, But I said, I'm just go ahead and go ahead and take a stab at it. <laughs> no
1: worries. No, no, no worries. I understand.
0: <laughs> Anissa, that's a beautiful name too. Thank
1: you very, very much.
0: You're welcome. Well, thank you for being here with us. You are um, an amazing, an amazing person because you are just deep in the education field as, you know, for over 30 years and then under 15 years, you've been a principal. Yes. And I think I need to update my bio. I'm so sorry. I probably
1: gave you an update, but it's going on 17 years. Okay. Okay. Right. i was mean, a principal in the elementary school 17 years. Um, the pandemic added on those extra two. So now I'm like, Really, it's been 17 years that I've had the privilege and honor of being the leader of a school of little babies, as young as 2.9 and as old as 10.
0: Right, right. See, the crazy part of my my career—I wouldn't say career—I was working the, um, uh, teaching for like not 10 years, and it kind of ended around when the pandemic started, like a little bit into it. So mm-hmm. when I did, I was like, "Oh man, that's amazing." So we know yeah. we know
1: this education world is serious business. They we, I've heard it called it be called God's work and I truly believe it is God's work.
0: Oh yes. Oh yes. Because you know from what we've been we were used to that was what indoctrination and yeah. so it's it's time and you're the perfect one uh for it. I want to ask you a question, because I know that you're big on community, and I wanted you to let the listeners know, what is the difference between neighbor, a neighborhood and a community?
1: Oh, yes. So your neighborhood, if we want to talk about geographically, which I believe that it really is mostly associated with, is what the buildings, the structure, the nature, the environment, the habitat, Right. And then your community are the people that share your core values, your principles, your morals. So your community could be as close to you as your next door neighbor, or it could be as far away as someone on the other side of the continent or the country or the world because they share the same values, goals, mission, vision, but most importantly, have the same values as you do
0: awesome awesome yes because i i see here that you are known for making changes and doing what you do within your community for your community yes yes so, so would you say that um i'm sorry go ahead no no no
1: so yeah so you know what i believe about that change that it comes and having someone be the catalyst for the change is extremely important Because when you have people that are in your circle or that you can identify as someone who is in your sphere of influence, it's important that you spark their thinking around what do they truly believe, spark their thinking around what do you truly hold true and dear, and then provide them with the strength or assist them with um, getting the strength to stand to their morals to help them um, how can I say it strengthen their intestinal fortitude, and so when you do that, then not only do you strengthen the person but you create a fortified community that is bulletproof.
0: Oh, I love it, I love it and I just love the word you know, community because that's that's what we need people a lot of people don't realize the difference when you hear neighbor you say neighborhood and you say community community even when you say it, it has so much more, you know, like, just sound sounds right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So would you say that, did you, is you being in education, uh, is that like one of your main reasons was to make a difference within your community?
1: So that's a very interesting question. Um, I got into education um, to be really transparent because I had my daughter at a young age and I was like, how am I going to feed her? And I've always been a teacher, but not necessarily in the formal sense that education provides to those of us who've chosen the field. And once I got into the field and accepted the call and went out so that I could see my daughter, I realized that I had this natural acumen for teaching subjects in the most easily accessible way. And what I've always known is that once someone learns something, their mind is forever changed and it's not enough to learn it and have your mind change, but now how do you apply the information? And once You learn how to apply the information, then your community has changed. And so I realized being in the position of leadership allowed me the opportunity or widened my hand to help children apply their knowledge, which will ultimately help them change their community. So that's kind of the way that it all came about. Um, And I'm just grateful that I've been trusted with the opportunity to touch little souls so those souls can help change their environment.
0: Yes, I love it. And that's in, that's exactly that's where you start too, you know, because they're they're the future, you know. So I really appreciate uh, what what you do. That's a it's an honor to have you on here because I just completely respect you know, someone sees that value and and just not talks about it, but they go ahead and do something about it themselves. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is so awesome. Well, um, I had a question, like it was like a big one. I was like, I got to ask her. I got to ask her. I gotta, oh, yes. Okay. Here we are.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. So, you know, it's a really, it's a really significant time. I would say significant time right now, but for you as a teacher, a principal, and then what just, you know, went on and still kind of is going on with these, you know, these shootings in the school. And all. I know that had to really hit home for you. Yes. Yes. And I know you deal with uh uh triumph and trauma. How how could we how would you or how could you how does someone take that the triumph of trauma that right there and apply it to this going on and that just went on?
1: Well, first I wanna, you know, offer condolences to anyone who has been impacted. By any type of massacre of that magnitude, any type of school shooting, um, I offer my condolences and um, just know that you're not alone, even though it may seem like what the world or what our country is doing is just offering prayers and moments of silence. Um, but you're in a fight with others who truly believe that there's some type of reform needs to happen. But in the process of this reform happening and in the process of those on the front lines, making sure that our voices are heard or your voices are heard, it's important to know that, you know, minutes still go by, hours still go by, days still go by. And how do we make sure that we are, not getting stuck in moments where if a year goes by or five years go by, we're still in a moment that happened so long ago. And I call that, you know, paralysis, mental paralysis. Um, and I strongly suggest, in those, because of this big event, that we do talk to someone, that you do get expert counseling, because I'm not an expert. I, I didn't go to school to be a a therapist. I didn't go to, I didn't get any training on how to be a um, um, trauma surgeon or anything like that. And when I say trauma surgeon, I don't mean in the sense of physical, but mental surgery on your brain. Because when you do study, trauma has a significant impact on your brain and it will alter the way in which you receive information and alter your reality. They've done a study with soldiers who've come back from the war and how their whole physiological makeup has changed and the way in which they respond. But there are a couple of things that can happen to jumpstart the triumph, especially with such a traumatic event as the ones we're talking about. You know, one of the first things people really don't understand that is powerful is the power of breath and the power of breathing when you take a deep breath and there's a way to actually do deep breathing that's why i believe meditation and yoga is becoming so widely accepted today um but when you engage in deep breathing it actually interrupts the cortisol infusion that happens in your brain And it allows your neurotransmitters to really receive the information properly and get to the logic center of your brain so you can make a logical and rational decision. When you are hyperventilating or when you're taking short breaths, it cuts off your ability to think properly or for the information to reach the logic center. Now, that is science. So that's a very... First thing that I can offer somebody that's very simplistic to do, um, just to start off and kickstart the triumph that they so desperately deserve
0: in those moments. Yeah, for sure. That that's also something too that um you you would say that kids uh could be could use be very would be very helpful. You know, I uh, I think that this is. But you all of that you just said right now is something that we should show them ways of coping and how how to deal with things too, especially you know they're so little but very smart, and you know it could be the difference between you know very you know deadly situ- situation you know
1: yes, yes, most definitely, yeah, everyone's going through something you know there's a there's a statistic out there um that says that. of the world is living in a high stressful situation. That's 33%. That's a high number. And then there's also another statistic out there that says 75 to 90% of hospital visits, well, to the ER mostly, are stress-related. They're not even life-threatening. They're stress-related. So when you talk about people that have anxiety attacks or some people that are going there because they feel as if they're having a heart attack, it's all stress related. And if we learn how to breathe as one of the very first simplistic techniques, then we can lower that number of 33% and definitely lower the hospital visits that are happening that... Um, our doctors are just going to tell us, you know, you're stressed. <laughs> and, you know, just making sure that we are moving through this space in a very calm and peaceful way.
0: Yes. I love it. I love it. Most definitely. Breathing is important to everyone. <laughs> it really is. It's not <laughs> just like you're breathing just because that's what you do and we need to. But it's like, no, to breathe, really. Yeah. Like like you just said, in very strenuous situations, it, it like clears, you know, a lot up. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So, is, any of this, I know you have a book, right? Yes. Uh, the, I read the bucket. Um, oh, forgive me, five buckets of leadership, correct? Yes. Okay. Speaking in the moment. moment. Yes. Yeah. So, can it, can we find any of this inside of your book? Yes. Yeah, so, the book. The premise of the book is around is for public speakers,
1: or for people who find themselves in high pressured situations and are required to give succinct, clear responses Um, or even in moments of crisis, like how do you as a leader or how do you as someone who has to respond able to um, be in the moment of crisis, be in a moment of high anxiety or high pressure or be in front of thousands of individuals and respond extemporaneously or right off the cuff, right? And so I teach a little technique with your brain that you can apply that'll hijack your brain's um neurotransmitters i mean excuse me and reroute your neurotransmitters so that you can speak clearly and one of the first steps is to deep to breathe deeply and i teach you how to breathe deeply so that way you can take in the information access it in your memory bank what you need to um speak and then speak clearly So if you are someone who has anxiety with public speaking, or if you want, or someone who has to always respond um, to questions, or you just simply want to strengthen your ability that you already have regarding talking in public, then this book would be for you.
0: That's awesome. I love it. As you're sitting here, everything like you're talking about, I keep applying it to my head, like, oh, that'd be great for like kids, you know, because they, I don't know, there's just so much. I don't know. I noticed um, within while I was sitting in the um, the walls of education that I said something's missing, you yeah. know, like something, was, something went out from my head one day, and I was just like, this isn't right, yeah. I said, right? So I was just floored by what we weren't teaching. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, man, how come we're not teaching these kids what's in their head? about mm-hmm. their brain, how their brain works. I said, I know my students would probably switch it around because they'd be so amazed what their brain does that they probably would treat it differently or think of themselves differently. And this all these things I noticed. And I just, I didn't understand. And, and then I realized that the indoctrination process <laughs> <so> <laughs> like, oh, we're never supposed to think at all. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or any of it, yeah. Yeah, and
1: I'm I into was- brain science. I'm really into brain science oh. because... I think once you learn how to, how your brain functions, like you said, Mm -hmm. and you realize how much of a machine it truly is, then you can learn how to strengthen it and utilize it to your advantage so that way you can become mentally strong or stronger than you already are.
0: Yes. Would you have, would you say that that would have been, that would have been something that would have been an asset to to teach kids early on about what their brain does and how it works?
1: Yes. It's important. Even down to nutrition, you know, the, some of the places that we work in as educators um, are like mine where there are food deserts or there is poor access to good, yeah. healthy food. And because of that, you know, the disease rate is high or the diabetes rate is high. But what people don't understand is that it also affects your brain's ability to take in and process information you know yep. you you go to the store and buy um a bag of chips or um your favorite um junk food and you eating that for breakfast or is your brain really
0: primed to learn? Nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's crazy you say all that because it's so true. Uh, I got the honor to uh, go to Sacramento for the um, we we took the uh, the breakfast after the bell. I don't know if you've heard of that. I don't know how many places have it, but in California, it's the breakfast breakfast after the bell. We went to the to the Capitol to uh, speak on it in front of um, you know like some of the uh, representatives and just told them it was a little group of us. And you know, because some kids come to school and they're that's the those are the only meals they get. Yes, you know. And, or they might have like ate them chips, like you said, just mm-hmm. different, you know, it, no matter what, it affects them. So, you know, sometimes you get there late and then you can't eat or, you know, it's, yeah. it's just to make sure that no matter what during the day, no matter what time you get there, you're still going to be able to have that breakfast. You know, yes. you don't have to rush. If you're late, and you don't get it because now you can't function. You can't think straight because you're hungry. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. passed it. So, uh, yeah, totally. That to me. Like I know, it's for you as a principal of a school. You you know those things. You're not just teaching these kids. You like you know what it takes. They need to be healthy. They need to be able to mm-hmm. healthy learning, and that's best- mm-hmm. true. And we know in our community, not all kids have you know those. You know that everybody comes from a different situation. So yes, yes, very much important. What what would you say? Okay, because you know you're into uh, the leadership, and you know how how do we where I have yeah okay, the later the leadership and how do we get safety? and yes, that's what I want to ask you, okay, so with leadership and all, uh, how what is it that how can we assure give kids uh, teach some leadership, give them a safe environment to learn in, and also a good education too? And I'm asking this because from my experience and then just listening and, and paying attention, all it seems it seems like people are having trouble with, with doing that as far as bullying, you know, which I feel like could be a lot more controlled if, if people were their intentions were, were good and we really, you know, we're doing what we're supposed to do without I know you know how it is out here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's intentions intentions aren't that good or they just don't care. I experienced yeah. it with my own son. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that it takes as a leader as a leader and showing kids what leadership is to give a child a safe environment to learn in and then actually a good balanced education.
1: Well, the first thing I believe that it requires is a courageous leader, a leader who is um, committed to his or her morals, has a moral compass And moral courage that regardless of the hits that come the leader's way from external forces, meaning parents, um, the political climate, are not going to waver. There is a quote by um, Roosevelt that talks about the man in the arena, you know, that he, you know that he has fought because he's all dirty and dusty. And even though the man in the arena may not win, at least for lack of a better phrase, he died trying, right? Right. And so if you take that same concept and add it to the leader who is responsible for creating or curating the conditions for safety, then there are going to be moments where you're going to have to take some hits and some blows, like I was mentioning. Because at the end of the day, if those situations aren't in place, you're going to have to answer for them anyway. Right. So why not do what you know to do in the midst of all of the negativity you may experience but when you lay your head down at night, you can say that I did what I knew to do so that way everyone is safe. And if there is a breach of safety, then you can say, as much as you may feel some guilt or some shame or some regret, at least you know you did all that you knew to do in your, in your human knowledge, And then those of us who pray and are connected to God, you sit there and you say, I'm going to do all that I can in the natural and trust God to do the rest. Now, I'm not bringing God in it because of anything other than the fact that I am a God girl. And I know that me staying connected to that has allowed me to be aware of some things that I might not have been aware of in my own human knowledge. Um, and then, after you are able to create that condition, it's just like a parent. A parent does his or her best to create safety for their child, yeah. and then, and then you're able to um, get to learning. Um, because before learning, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs: food, shelter, water, clothing, connection, community, and when you provide those then as i stated you've create, curated the conditions for safety and then you can
0: get to learning yes i love it i love it i love it yes that's what i always tell people first things first safety 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 because way before education any anything that cuz you can't even have do any of that have classroom management or anything if you don't have a safe place you know like and, and the kids feel it and they know you right. know and i would add to that that it's not just always physical safety too
1: There's emotional safety, that's why you know about bullying, emotional safety, Mm -hmm. there's mental safety, there's spiritual safety, you know, so safety has these many different legs and arms, and as a leader, you want to make sure that you're checking in with your teachers because the teachers need to be feel safe too, you know, you need to be checking in with your teachers, checking in with your students, checking in with your families, And then taking all that data and cross-referencing it to see where the holes is. Assistant principals need to be brought in. You know, your district office needs to be brought in. But if you are feeling resistance from those external forces, you still have to make sure that you are doing what you know to do in the human knowledge that you have to provide that, um, that environment.
0: Yes. Oh, I love you. You are a good principal. I would have loved to have with <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean. You get the work done, no holes left here or you know, you know half, you know, after that you like really are, you know, like you're all in basically. And you don't know, get a lot of people like that. And especially in education. And for me, I feel like there's no um room for to like to take shortcuts, you know, when it comes to especially with children and you know, providing for them a, a well a healthy environment so they can learn and you know and thrive yes yes yeah it sucks that sometimes people get in the field and they don't really they're not sincerely into it you know I think with teaching would you say that if you're a teacher it's it's way better it should just be that someone that really loves what they do they love children and really are invested in you know um helping them you know you know learn and come up in this world versus somebody like it's a job and you know and I'm pretty smart so but I really don't want to be here and Cause I've seen that. <laughs> I, I think I think
1: that, you know, the short answer is, of course, of course, of course, that's what we want. And I think people that get into the profession do get into it with this sense of I'm going to help. Right. Because from the outside looking in, teaching may seem like it is Quote unquote, an easy job, although we know that there is, you know, children who are disrespectful. But I don't think anyone really understands the nuances with teaching. And when you get into the business, I, I think is when the reality sets in, where the shell shock happens, because you won't know that if you let one six year old sharpen his or her pencil, (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> then you just derailed your whole lesson. Like, you wouldn't know that. You would be like, Well, what does sharpen in a pencil? That's a simple thing. But no, not in the classroom of 25, six year olds.
0: <laughs> everybody right? got a <laughs> now, everybody
1: has a pencil. You wouldn't know that if you let one six year old go to the bathroom, all the 24 others didn't have to go to the bathroom. But now everybody got to go to the bathroom. Right? You don't, you don't know those little nuances. And so when you are outside of the profession coming in, you want to do great for kids. You want to change the world. You want to fill in these gaps. You come in with this gung-ho uh, mindset, which is what we want and all this enthusiasm. And then when you are faced with a 6 year old one the a pencil and your whole classroom gets derailed, then you may feel like a failure and then you get deflated because there have been many people who have done well in every area. They're great athletes. They have 4.0s. They, they killed it on their job. They just was doing great jobs. But But teaching is not that profession. You will fail. I do not care how successful you've been in other areas. You will fail. Now your recovery time maybe shorter than the next person's or you may never recover and if you don't have the ability to walk away then you become like those teachers that you're talking about who don't Mm -hmm. seem that they don't even like kids that they're in the business just because they need to get a paycheck they're biding their time those kinds of things and those are the ones who do the damage to the profession and to children who are just believe in and trusting that they are providing them with the information they need to be self-sustaining and contributing members to society
0: yeah most definitely yeah that's the part that gets me it's like oh you know these children it's like they you're shortchanging them you know it's like get out <laughs> can because yes, yes. I play I'm just like if you can't keep them safe that's not your number one and if you're not here wholeheartedly then you should go yes, yes. <laughs> let me help you <laughs> yes You know,
1: um, one of my mentors. I'm sorry, you just made me think about one of my mentors, Dr. Lorraine Monroe. Um, when she came and she spoke to me while I was taking my master's courses, and she did the numbers. So she said, "Just think about this." So you have a class, and this is you know, she used middle school and middle school and high school numbers and that configuration to drive home this point that is important for us as school leaders to really. Um, take on and understand our responsibility. So she said, like in middle school and high school, you have one class of 30 students. Let's just take 30 as the number. And you have one teacher teaching at 30 students. But in those um, classrooms, in that school, my, middle school, high school, that one teacher will see five classes. So that's five classes of 30 students, right? Yeah. So that's 150 students per semester. Now, what if that teacher is the teacher that we talked about, who's just in it for the profession? I mean, for the money, really doesn't care, biding their time. That particular teacher—that's the um, the makeup of that particular teacher. Now, that's 150 students in one semester that that teacher has now not provided them with a quality education. Now, mm-hmm. that teacher teaches the second semester another 150 students, and the same type of quality education, the no no quality, lack of quality, at the end of that school year, that teacher has now touched 300 students and mm-hmm. have not provided them with a quality education. Now, most oftentimes those teachers stay in the business, the profession for 10 years. How is it? At least 10 years. So now how many students is that? three thousand
0: students oh my goodness wouldn't they be able to see that though the difference because you know you have your test scores and yes. and you know you're seeing like are they elevating you know like wouldn't the progress or the the stagnant you know uh lack of you know just not happening yes. Wouldn't read to the administrative or to the you know the principal the school board that yes. okay And whose responsibility is to bring that to the school board, whose responsibility
1: is to produce the documentation, the evidence that this teacher is not providing quality education that falls on the leader. And sometimes it becomes overwhelming because you have unions. But at the end of the day, you have to be that man in the arena and do what is necessary to make sure that you are curating a safe environment for teaching and learning. Because if you have that teacher for 10 years, you don't think the teacher down the hall and the teacher on the next floor and the teacher that's right next door knows that that teacher isn't doing well and the administration or the leader is not doing anything about it. So you Mm. have to take it seriously and understand your responsibility as a leader, and know that there are babies' lives at stake. That's a lot. That that that's eye opening. When you do yeah, the math,
0: a whole lot. And then a lot of times the kids will get labeled as you know being behind, or they get you know uh, these IPs and things like that. And it's just because of, you know the the lack of you know because you figure you figured like how do you get a child that barely knows how to read. Whose fault is that? Somebody passing a child along because I've came across yes. kids and I'm just like, well, who allowed them to keep going? And I, I would probably point like the school, the parents, like, yep. like Yeah. What are we what are we doing here? <laughs> we're not doing like, any favors. Yeah. None at so, all. Yeah. And they could be thriving and very, very smart, but if if they're not being taught the right way or given the information that they need and how they're supposed to know it. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Ugh. Man, man, man. So I, I know I don't, I don't I keep you here forever, but I definitely, definitely, I definitely am going to have to get back in touch with you because this is just amazing that this is what you do, and I would love to tell you my story someday off of off of here. It's crazy. yes, but um, I just want to say as as a teacher's okay. So because I, I I I'm very big with empathy, right? And I know um I think it's very necessary just to be to stay human. You know how to be humane. And I know, like as say, for instance, for the teachers that um, burn out like that, would you say that it would be beneficial for for the school board or whoever would take care of that to, to know, to acknowledge that these things can happen? A teacher can get burnt out and, you know, they probably need some kind of retreat or you check in on them and, and help them have some type of tools, like if we were to give kids some tools to refresh themselves or to, you know, regenerate. Because that is a lot of kids to see throughout the day and deal with different behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know. And some people never really master the whole classroom management thing, you know, because usually if you got good classroom management, you really like your job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your classes are functioning well. Would you say that that would be something or have you done that or do you know that to be done?
1: i I say there's two sides to that, right? I think there's the side where they say, you know, you get paid to teach you know, and that's what you got hired to do, you're responsible for that other stuff, right? You're responsible for your own self-care. Now, if you come from an environment that aligns with what I just described, make sure that you are intentional about your own self-care. Make sure that you are taking your time off on your weekends, shutting off your phone, don't looking at your emails, Use your um time during the day, like your prep preparation periods, to really plan, so that way you can go home on the weekends and breathe. I say don't work summer school. Um, take those two months off to rejuvenate. When you have your breaks, go. So if you come from that environment that they say this is what you get paid to do, it's not our responsibility. Your responsibility is teach kids. Then you are responsible for your self care. Now, if you come from an environment where they not only um, wanna make sure that the whole child is taken care of, but also the whole staff. That means um, from the leadership team to the teachers, then there will be moments where the district will put in that or the school leader will love on you, Uh, will make sure that you are well, make sure that you have opportunities to share and connect and create community, which is so important. Um, making sure that there are moments that you all can engage in that can become traditions for your school. So you can say, here at X school, this is how we do things. Here at X school, we care about one another. Um, Creating those moments that have nothing to do with education, but everything to do with with family. Um, And if you are coming from that environment, then I say lean into it because it does create a better working environment but you're also responsible for take being you know doing something for yourself too because although those conditions are set up that way where there is a family oriented environment there will be there will be times where it doesn't really meet your needs yeah. and so you still need to be able to do something that will pour back into you personally and
0: professionally very very true very true I guess I love it. I definitely, definitely, everybody, listeners, got to get her book because this is this is good for all around basis for a parent, for the staff, for just I mean, because I think that parents should want understand. You know, I think it goes it coincides together. And you said something very important earlier about when you before you started like teaching, teaching, like you were already a teacher, basically the parent, you just weren't in the field yet. And I always yeah. tell parents, I'm like you don't, you're the first teacher, like, don't just give all your power over, like, you have no say or anything like that, you're the first teacher, okay, so you're, you're very valuable, and you're very important here in this process, you know, stop by, check in, be a part of, be best friends, mm-hmm. teacher don't be best friend, you have to tell her, we're best friends now, if you like it or not, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> not style. so, most definitely, and I like to empower parents, you know, and, and let them, and not just fall on the, the basis of, uh, well, that's the teacher, they got it, that's not my job, that's the teacher's job, that's yeah, your job. Like news? Nah, it's your job too. Yeah, <laughs> teacher. So I don't know. Just uh, I, I really appreciate you for for what you do and how you really put your put your all into it. Thank you so so much. And um,
1: like if people some people want to get the book, they can go to my website. Um, because I was thinking, you know, when you are engage in a process where you want to help people, right? You have to have a landing spot, right? Because some people will be like, how do you get in contact? Like, what do I do now? How do I follow up? And we're in this information age where you could Google information. You could Google help, you know, if you don't want to or can't afford or um, therapy. You know, there's great videos out there, right? Um, We're in this age where you just Google anything, right? You don't even have to leave your house, then you can
0: get it so
1: um yeah do that
0: okay okay most definitely we're definitely gonna have to have you you back on because it's uh i mean you you don't find many like you i know there's many but to be honest with you you really don't find many like you (laughs) (laughs) trust me i don't know about anywhere else but i know here in california uh um Dr. Anissa, can you please let the listeners know if uh, they want to follow you? You already told them where, you know, they can find your book, but how do they get a hold of you and be able to find anything they need to, Dr. Anissa?
1: Yes. So um, very simple on IG, Facebook, and Twitter. It's ask Dr. Riley. And Riley is R-E-I-L-L-Y. Make sure you get that because it's not the common spelling. It's R-E-I-L-L-Y. And when you do doctor, sometimes you have to put D-R period. But across all three platforms is Ask Dr. Riley. Um And then you can go to my website, um, which is com. Really simple, really easy. Um, just whatever you want, just ask me. I've I've had a broad range of experiences where I can you know, not only empathize and sympathize with you, but I can share some techniques and strategies that have been successful for me and for others to help you move um, from paralysis, move out of the state of paralysis. So it's Ask Dr. Riley.
0: Yes, thank you. And I see I did it again. I said, Dr. Anissa, you're like, Dr. Riley? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 it's okay. for
1: my business is Ask Dr. Riley, but Anissa is, you know, how I go back to, you know, I, I never, it's funny when I was younger, I really didn't like my name. Cause when I would go into like souvenir shops, there was never a keychain that said Anissa. So I changed my name just so I could find a, just so I could buy a souvenir. But now that I'm older, I love my name. I understand that there's power in the name. Yes. Um, and so... I really enjoy my name. Love my name. I've leaned into my name, but um, yeah. So just for the business, it's ask Dr. Riley. But you can say Dr. Anissa. You can say Anissa. Hey, hey,
0: okay, okay. Miss okay. <laughs> Brandi, <All> right. <laughs> <Ms. Gwen. laughs> right? I know. I love my name. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. You fall in love with your name is who you are. Yeah, that's why I don't like messing up people's names. I'm like, oh, oh, because <laughs> like, I know I respect it. You know, because that's who you know. Your name, who you are. Yeah. Yes. Well, I know that I once again, we appreciate you for being here. And can we find you still on Fox Soul Weekly? So we have now transferred um,
1: platforms to Dame Dash's studios. We're on his um, wow. platform now. So we have transferred over to Dame Dash's studios. So um, for those of you who are familiar with the
0: music mogul,
1: Damon Dash, yeah. Love me some daddy. Yes. yes. <laughs> We're on his platform now. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I love what he does for the community. He is such an inspiring guy. I love listening to him talk. So he yes. really, he really knows how to pick people up. And, and he, he's a go-getter. He just goes, he goes and, you know, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you see him, tell Brandy said, what's up? <laughs> I will.
1: Actually, I'll be talking to him Tuesday.
0: Yeah, Tuesday. I said thank you. Thank you. And keep talking because I'll be listening. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> we'll do. do. Well, you have a blessed day. And um, uh, we're definitely going to be talking soon. And I'll let you know when this is up again. Um, uh, well, up and uh what platforms will be on. Okay.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to talk with you. Um and I just want to say one thing. So if you are a school leader out there and you're looking for community, because sometimes they say, you know, leadership is a lonely place. But if you're looking for a community, I am a part of an organization called OSG, the Official Off School Grounds. And it is a group of school leaders across the globe, politicians, um, entertainers, celebrities, and school leaders. And we come together every single week to talk, and to be in community to support one another so we can go out and do this work. And I think now is such a critical time for school leaders to get together because um, with all that's happening, you need to be able to speak to someone, listen to someone who truly understands the position you are in and the heavy crown that we wear.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely.
1: And you can find them on Instagram.
0: You can find them on IG. Okay. I'll definitely put that up on the site and on our um, website too. Most definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you once again, Queen. You're amazing. And I'm just so honored to be able to talk to you and to get to to know you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having
1: me. It's been an honor and a privilege. And um, hello to your listeners. Thank you for listening.
0: And um, look forward to speaking to you again yes yes thank you so much okay everybody this is Voices of Courage with Dr. Anissa Riley and until the next time peace I just wanted to give thanks to Dr. Anissa Riley again for spending time with us today here on Voices of Courage but also sharing her wisdom and having the courage to do what's right, to be that person that is the change and not the person that talks about it or complains about it, but she's the action. And that's something that is admirable and something that is more than needed and a great example for our youth and others. So thank you once again, Dr. Anissa Riley, and keep doing what you're doing, and we will look forward to seeing what other greatness you are a part of and looking forward to having you back with us again. So until next time, Voices of Courage, see you soon.